listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the annual meeting edition of Locked On Pharmacy, the only place for complete all-access coverage of APHA's 2023 annual meeting, which took place from March 24th through the 27th in Phoenix, Arizona. This special edition of Locked On Pharmacy includes interviews with APHA board members, senior leadership, guest speakers, and attendees. Whether you attended this year's meeting or plan to attend next year, listen now for exclusive information about practice, education, and legislative and regulatory issues, as well as discussion about the pharmacy topics that matter most to you. APHA's 2023 Annual Meeting Edition of Locked On Pharmacy is hosted and produced by the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You can find other episodes and more information on topics and guests via APHA's podcast website at podcasts.pharmacist.com. And now, welcome to a special edition of Locked On Pharmacy. Welcome to the APHA 2023. This is Locked on Pharmacy here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm standing here with Dr. Nimit Jindal. I am so excited. You are MC this year for what, the second or third year in a row? Second year in a row, Todd. This is awesome. And you, you're the energy that you bring to kicking off the conference is just so important. So we had to have you be part of Locked on Pharmacy and kicking off an amazing um gathering this year. I can't believe how many interviews that we did. But before we get started, we want to hear from you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're excited to be part of the APHA 2023. Oh, absolutely. And, and thanks so much. I, I'm Like I said, I'm a pharmacist. That's, I think, the most important part of this all. I'm a community practitioner. Uh, and I am passionate about sort of reconnecting with the profession and seeing so many of my friends, mentors, and colleagues. You know, I, I, we talk a lot about the challenges in pharmacy practice and a lot of the day-to-day -day struggles that practitioners are having when they're trying to serve our patients and the barriers. But there's something special about this meeting, something special about hearing the stories, uh, hearing the keynotes. We had Inky Johnson come in and talk yeah. to us about how do we reconnect with uh, why we do what it is that we do hearing some of the panelists talk about the role that pharmacists have in addressing social determinants, hearing from our leadership and celebrating our award winners. I mean, there is just so much to be inspired about yep. in our profession. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to come back to APHA annual meetings every year. I'm so grateful I get to be a part of it in this capacity uh, and to be able to really bring that energy and, and share that excitement with everybody else in the profession. So my friends always watch me from my Facebook or my Instagram saying, you're on the road again. And I said, what's it this year? And I'm like, the APHA is like the Oscars or the Super Bowl or the of our profession. But I'm always trying to find the, the, the best comparison. I'm like, is it the Super Bowl or is it the Oscars? It's kind of both. It's kind of a combination of many different um, awards that, that we kind of put together and being together. Something that I see different this year than previous years is the collaboration between different sectors of pharmacy. I'm seeing collaboration between opioid use um, disorder treatment and specialty and community and long-term care and senior care. That was represented in some of our keynote as well and, and really talking about there's facets of healthcare that aren't necessarily pharmacological, that are more empathetic and more understanding that hey, it's great that I have this medication, but if I don't have access to food or I don't have access to um, transportation, 
there's other issues happening in my world. So what can you kind of tell our listeners about what's upcoming in their programming, listening to Locked On Pharmacy, as our MC, if kind of giving us a high-level summary of what happened at the event? You know, I, I think it's what's nice is, you know, we've historically said that healthcare is in a silo. Um, and even among that, we say pharmacy is in a silo. And even if we dig deeper, we think there's subspecialties in pharmacy that are a silo. And I think if the pandemic taught us anything, is that when a healthcare emergency arises, it affects all of us. And it's gonna be on all of us to practice in the capacity that we know how to, to solve and overcome that challenge, to rise up, if, if you may. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the things I appreciated about all of our keynote speakers and all the content that the listeners are about to hear is, you know, whether it's, your, your capacity engaging with community-based organizations, whether it's just sort of reconnecting with regular people outside of your profession, human being to human being, there's just so much that is, is encaptured in what we do as, as providers that is beyond the scope of our degree, beyond the scope of the work that we do. And so I'm hopeful that some of those speakers and some of those talking points and lessons and pearls will, will sort of be relayed or, or sort of fall receptively, positive receptions to, to the listeners who are paying attention. We agree. Nimit, what's next for you in your career in 2023? What, what's up? Do you have any special projects coming up? Well, I, I am so blessed and fortunate that I have an opportunity to serve the profession uh, in the capacity uh, in Congress. So I, I, uh, I'm a congressional staffer. I'm a health policy advisor to a senior member of Congress. Wow. And so one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, and I know we've talked a lot about new legislation that's dropping and hopefully, you know, taking advantage of some of the, the opportunities or some of the ways that pharmacists have risen to the challenge during the pandemic uh, to really lock in and codify some of those key authorities that we rely on to take care of our patients. And so I know while I have a great amount of admiration and respect for my colleagues on the front lines, I'm hoping to do what I can to support them uh, in my role as an as a advocate and a policy person uh, over in Washington, D.C. So. That is so special. And in having some having a pharmacist that understands the nuances and the specificity of what pharmacists go through and being able to communicate that to your policy developers, I think that's very special. It's a, I'm, I'm so grateful to have had the experience to do that, and I'm grateful that APHA really educated me from when I was a student to now as a, as a practitioner, uh, and they continue to be a great partner in the fight to do that. Well, Mamet, we appreciate you kicking off the Lockdown Pharmacy APHA 2023 with us, and um, we can't wait to work with you in Orlando next year. Can't wait. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. special opportunity that I'm standing here with Inky Johnson at the APHA 2023. Inky, thank you so much for being here with us, celebrating pharmacy and the profession. This is my favorite place to be every year. This is the Super nice. Bowl of our profession. But nice. tell me tell me about yourself and our listeners about the inspirational message that you delivered today. Yeah. No, man, it, it is an honor, first and foremost, to be with you. It is an honor to be here at the event. Like, all the people are great. But just the message of just understanding why we do what we do, right? I often say to people, in life we don't burn out, we don't quit, we don't shortchange because of what we do. In life we burn out, we quit, and we shortchange because life makes us forget why we do it. And so every single day being reminded of the purpose, right, in spite of adversity and opposition, right, to press forward because of the mission and the purpose of why we do what we do and what it can do for people. I love it because our message is rising in the face of adversity Absolutely. and coming together and holding each other up. So many pharmacists through the pandemic became burnout and they became very tired and they became like they wanted to give up. 
And it was other pharmacists, it was technicians, it was physician groups, it was even family members that lifted them up. When we come here together and we get to hear people like you give us that hopeful message, share with us why you went into public speaking mm -hmm. and why is it that you're here today that you had the opportunity to address thousands of pharmacists? Yeah, man, so I got injured in a football game at the University of Tennessee and I almost lost my life, you know, behind the game of football. And it changed and it altered my life, but it put me on a path to where I was searching for purpose. And it showed me a different side of people, right? When you play ball, it shows you one side of people, but also when you encounter opposition and adversity, it shows you a different side of people. And so I got into public speaking by accident. Hmm. And when I say accident, you know, the creator, it was intentional, but by accident because I was searching for purpose. And I saw the impact that it was having on people and what it did for me as a father, as a husband, as a servant, and as a leader. And I started paying attention to how it impacted people. And the quote says it, people may forget what we do, people may forget what we say, but people never forget the way we make them feel. And so I wanted to make a difference, and public speaking helped me do that. Well, thank you so much, Inky, for spending time with us and really helping pharmacists to take a step back and pause and Absolutely. think that they have an opportunity to leave this conference in Phoenix, go back to their homes, go back to their businesses, and make an impact by just doing something a little extra, looking at people in the eyes and smiling, giving them a hug, their patients. It's more than just the tablet or the medication that they take. It's the human-to-human -human interaction that's part of the treatment and care as well. Absolutely, man. I always say the X factor in what we do is people. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, yeah, we do different things in terms of our profession, but at the end of the day, we're all in the same business. That's the people's business with the opportunity to impact. Servant leadership. That's what it's about. Yeah. That's it. Inky, thank you so much for being part of the APHA 2023. Um, you are invited. You have a, um, a red carpet out at all <laughs> time if you ever want to come back and talk. I'll take it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Pleasure. APHA 2023, something that's very special that keeps coming as a theme over and over again is the fact that pharmacist roles are not going back to what they were three, four, five years ago because of the evolution and what the pandemic did to our entire healthcare system and the expectations of our healthcare providers. The community pharmacists stepped up in so many ways, first with testing, second with immunization and, and vaccines, and then all of a sudden the public realized, holy smokes, my pharmacist is capable of doing X, Y, Z, things that they might not have known about. My father's own pharmacist, one of the pharmacy profession's most 50 most influential people is standing with us in the APHA locked on pharmacy booth. I'm so excited to say Teresa Toll is here with us today. Teresa, congratulations on being recognized as one of the 50 most influential pharmacists and being here at the APHA with us. Thanks, Todd. It's one of the um, exciting things that happened to me this year while I was APHA president. So I very much appreciate the, um, the honor. You're very welcome. And something that's very special is prescriptive health has been um, an amazing partner to pharmacists in general to really evolve their practices. They're here with us today. I want to introduce Paige, um, part, Paige Clark, the part of Prescriptive Health's team. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here and to be here with Teresa Toll, president of APHA. 
I feel like that this episode of Lockdown Pharmacy is really about the merging of two sides of pharmacy. Number one, the trusted side that's been around for eons and for generations. When, you know, compounders were the only way to get a specific medication done. And now today with the NDCs cascading and how many different kind of medications and specialty disease states, it's still the pharmacist that's expected to have all the answers. And when they're looking in their eyes with their community member who goes to the same church that they go to, same, you know, ball club that they go to, there's a trust element there. And the pandemic taught us that that trust was needed more than ever. Teresa, you've been a community pharmacy owner for years and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Talk to us about where the community pharmacy is today versus, you know, three, four years ago based on the advocacy of trust in healthcare. Todd, I think you summarized it really well. I mean, one of the things that's happened is that during COVID, the other healthcare providers weren't necessarily available, right? So a lot of the doctor's offices closed down. Wouldn't, didn't want patients in their office. They wanted to see them via telehealth. So we were one of the few places they could see us face to face. And even if they were sick, we were going out to their car to test them, you know, or perhaps if they didn't want to come in because they were nervous, we would go see them and, and provide the immunization in the car too. So yeah, I think it has raised that trust level for community pharmacy um, and also has helped patients realize that we really are a healthcare destination. And I think that's going to continue to, to grow. You're right. It was accelerated because of COVID. Absolutely. When I think of the next phase, I think of being able to repeat processes over and over again for two reasons. Number one, to continue to keep our patients and communities healthy. That's obvious. And that's always been there. But number two, being prepared for the next emergency, whether that emergency is just local, maybe it's state, but maybe it's a pandemic again or something. But I'm, I feel that pharmacists and the community and our health and human services and CDC and the World Health Organization, they realize, wow, now we can expect pharmacists to do what they maybe didn't realize that you had always been doing, but now you're getting paid for it, which is important. And, and that can continue to evolve. But now you're proving that pharmacists have a role in public health, population health. With that comes the next phase. So as a community pharmacist, someone that understands the way things were, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago, what do you see the next phase of the community pharmacist doing for public health? And what's the extension? Is it point of care testing? Is it um, you know, drilling down into diabetes, like what's the next, what's the next phase from a public perspective? So I'm going to, before I answer your question, I'm going to back up a little bit because you mentioned like government entities. And I think it's really important that we talk about the fact that they did recognize us and we were so valuable, but what does happen when that next emergency comes? And God forbid that it's a pandemic. But if they don't allow us to continue the authorities that we have right now, which is really what we're fighting for, and I just want to say that APHA has been advocating for that strongly. So the public health emergency ends May 11th. Not all the authorities go away, but um, I just want to make sure that I say that like we've been strongly advocating for that. It's one of the really big things we've done this year, um, and, and that's just really important. So. Anybody listening knows that APHA is fighting for these authorities to continue because it's really important. But 
Um, the other thing is, like, where are we going from here? Yeah, I think you're going to see more and more just clinical opportunities in pharmacies. It's going to be a lot more education, and we do indeed hope that the, um, the payment will follow. Um, but yes, um, maybe pharmacogenomic testing, perhaps. Yeah, That's how that. you and I met. So perhaps we're finally we're finally ready to get there, um, and that's one thing. Diabetes, absolutely more testing. Um, Paige can probably talk about more things that their company is working on too. But certainly, I think you're going to see that clinical community pharmacy more and more just growing. So when you start expanding care, you start talking about more clinical services, more clinical information. That means that data is present, and the access to data is very important. Therefore, we need. We need systems that are designed to keep up with exactly that. A, that's number one. Number two, we need to start implementing the world of artificial intelligence. We need to start le uh, leveraging mass amounts of data at a epidemiology perspective of like entire countries to be able to drill down into how do we act better? How do we turn around better? Enter Paige Clark with Prescriptive Health, and that is a platform that has been built specifically to do exactly that. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Paige, and, and where Prescriptive Health fits into the evolution of pharmacy oh, care. Oh, that's so nice. What a nice introduction, Todd. It's really been a tremendous opportunity. I've been a 30-plus year pharmacist, and I've come to appreciate that technology is our key to being able to truly meet the needs of our patients every single day and to provide them with a myriad of, if you will, triage types of services in our community pharmacies. In order to do this, we all as pharmacists need to become fast adopters and adapters. And we perhaps have been a little bit as pharmacists in general when it comes to adopting new technology. And at Prescriptive, we have focused, we have pharmacists embedded in our entire company, which is extremely unique, in order to um, assure that the pieces that we build, whether it's the clinical platform that we've built to support community pharmacies providing these services, scheduling and, you know, all the things that we need to do to make assessing and accessing our community pharmacies smooth for the pharmacist from an operation standpoint and also approachable for our patients. Our patients, we, we did a national survey, a thousand consumers, patients, and 342 pharmacists that are either owners or decision makers. We learned a lot in this about connecting what the patient needs and what they want from technology and what our pharmacists want and need from technology. And matching that up is this true magic. And you mentioned AI. There's an example. We had a number of our pharmacies that use prescriptive health reflecting back to us that they need help with pricing, with, for example, in order to be able to continue to build services and build and build and build in their stores and the community practices, they needed help with cash pricing. So it was a true joy to be able to partner up a couple of really amazing entrepreneurial pharmacists and our data science team. And they built AI-optimized pricing, which we've never seen in this 
profession before. It's stunning. So to be able to bring that forward and allow our community pharmacies to place themselves in market where they choose to be and to, ha and to employ AI at the level that we're able to do and have this unbelievable, not just an algorithm that helps to do that, it's a whole engine. It's unbelievable. So technology is the answer for our profession to be able to unbelievably expand what we do for our patients. It's really exciting. So thank you for having us here today. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm going to have you back, Paige, because we have other things that we'd like to talk about. I really want to dive into the clinical expertise that's going to be prompted based on the system that you've helped to document and then bring evidence-based pro protocol for treatment to the surface so that if you have comorbid patients, you'll know how to act specifically to their needs instead of just a hypertension or a one-off for diabetes. So we're going to have to have you back, but thank you so much. And Teresa, thank you so much for being part of this show in the APHA 2023. I was so excited to be here with you, Todd, and thank you and Pharmacy Podcast for being at APHA 2023 and just showcasing all the different things that pharmacists are doing in our profession and then um, also showcasing all the things that APHA is doing for our pharmacist members. We appreciate that. I believe in you. You're my favorite provider, so thank you very much. Hey, I'm Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm Dr. Candice Olushala. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Locked, Locked on, on Pharmacy. Pharmacy. We're here at APHA 2023. I look forward to seeing Dr. Starlin Gretting. Starlin hating Gretting. <laughs> okay my husband has the same problem there are aspects of our conference that some people oversee that are so intricate to moving the profession forward and one of those is the importance of PACs and what that means for policy development uh, fundraising and then supporting people who really understand what that means to the entire organization in the profession of pharmacy Starlin, I wanted you to kind of jump into this because you've been part of APHA for years. It's been a part of your life in pharmacy since you were a student, but now you've evolved in being a leader within the PAC as well. So talk to our listeners about the importance of the APHA PAC. So what's important? First, as a background, I spent 25 years on the inside of government working under the Medicaid division as a uh, quality Assurance Director, and I got to be a fly on the wall as we met with all the organizations that came forward to work with um, the Medicaid program, especially in the pharmacy program. And for 25 years, I could not be involved in any uh, political action committee or anything like that, but I watched and learned that in order to get a seat at the table, you have to have supportive funds to, to work with the legislatures. And, you know, as a young 30-year-old person, I kind of resented that. It's like, what? This is America. This isn't, you know, a third world company where you, country where you spend, you pay money to, to get what you want, right? right. Well, um, it, takes money to move money. And if 
you look at our other healthcare colleagues alongside of us, the AMA, registered dietitians make a third of what pharmacists make and they contribute to their PACs, their political action committees, 75% higher than what pharmacists in general do. We, if we took a dollar from every single member of APHA, our PAC would be more than any of some of the other national healthcare associations. Mm -hmm. And I know people say, well, that's like dirty money. It's not dirty money because there are lots of rules around it. Mm -hmm. You can only give a certain amount, and we support legislators who support pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So as we move to try to get provider status, to try to get test and treat, to do all the platform information that moves pharmacy forward, we're looking for those representatives and senators who support healthcare, pharmacy, and our patients. So even if you can only give $5 a month, that and if every member gave $1 to $5 a month on a monthly basis, we would have monies to help uh, serve on these committees and get our lobbyist entrance into that um, world of legislature so they can hear what we need to say. We don't have to pay to go into the government entities because but we've created those relationships. Those relationships with CMS and CDC and, and Medicaid have been built for our lifetime, lifetime experience of being promise keepers in the pharmacy world. Mm -hmm. Legislature people, don't, don't, some stay forever, some rotate out every four years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a constant learning curve where we're trying to explain what pharmacists are doing today in 2023. We're not the pharmacists from 1960. We're the pharmacists of 2023. We have more education. We have to repeat those details to every new staffer, every new legislator, every new committee chair, so that they have in the back of their head the purpose of what pharmacists give and what our pharmacy team can provide for person-centered care. Give our listeners an example of very specific bills or um, issues that the PAC is really focused on right now. So one is the new bill that we uh, released the press release on yesterday. It's a, a revamp of our provider status bill that uh, works on utilizing pharmacists in, in those special areas where there is a lack of primary care. It extends, it's trying to extend some of those pu public health waivers that we were used to um, at a federal level. Each state still has to, has to address those issues because even though we're doing this as a federal level, yep. this has to be replicated state by state so that there's, um, you know, parallel, even uh, policies across all the states. So as people move across the state and, you know, a group of 53 states working together uh, for the purpose of our, of our patients' uh, well care and well-being. Another is the track and trace. Um, 
making sure that contiguous line of drug safety as it moves across the, the parameters, we're all aware of what we have to do with vaccines. Um, immunizations and vaccinations are still, you know, our, our, our plug. We came out in COVID-19. We ran toward the fire. Mm -hmm. We didn't create the fire, but we ran toward the fire. And um, we were able to prove our worth. But we have some recovery going on right now, but we still have that capability. So the, uh, the test and treat is another issue that we're trying to show that we can be part of that uh, Paxlovid um, delivery reimbursement. So we're, we came out, we stayed open, pharmacists worked all the way through the COVID process, yet we still don't have a concrete reimbursement uh, alignment with the CMS or commercial insurance so that we can continue those uh, pharmacy services. And, and so we're still working toward getting that education level up so that they can understand that we can still deliver that high level uh, of, of pharmacy services. What else do you want to share with the listeners regarding the PAC and possibly even getting involved and being supportive within their own state? So first of all, we need to um, educate everybody that a political action committee is not dirty. Mm -hmm. We're not buying votes. It's against the law to do that. And it's very up and up. And it, it's about creating an educational advocacy program to work with legislators and their staff. Okay. It takes money. Um, the registered dietitian got medical nutrition therapy because they're active PAC involvement federally and statewide. So if every student pharmacist, pharmacy technician, pharmacist, they don't have to give thousands of dollars. If we got everybody to get what they could afford, mm -hmm. we would have a well-funded um, PAC fund to be able not to just limit it. If you go out on the on the website and you click on APHA website and you click on advocacy, you can see who we've supported. We're non-denominational. We vote for pharmacy and we support people with pharmacy, but you can see where your money's going. Only 5% of APHA members give toward the PAC. 99% of the AMA members give toward their PAC. And so if we want to work in a level playing field, we need to address that in a positive way. And, and, and like I said, you, we'd love for you to donate the top amount, $5,000. It's not tax deductible, but the money goes directly into our advocacy staff and their ability to go out and meet with those. When we do our fly-ins and our virtual legislative, it, that builds on all that so that we can create that education and that support. When the, when the, when the legislator knows that the American Pharmacy Association is supporting them, then that remains in their, in their back of their brain. So when something comes up with medications or immunizations or um, hormonal contraception or HIV PEP and PrEP, or diabetes self-management, all those issues are pharmacists are, and pharmacy technicians and student pharmacists are involved. And unless we implant that on a routine quarterly basis, the 
further away the meeting is, the further they forget about it. Starlin, I really appreciate you updating us, but I want this to be an opportunity for us to bring you back on Locked on Pharmacy to periodically give us an update of how the pack is doing. Oh, that would be, I would be happy to do that. We just had um, the, the pack challenge where the students and the alumni uh, kind of challenge each other. Coming up in fall, it'll be the SIG challenges where the diabetes group and, and each of the special interest groups kind of compete with each other to raise money for that process. But you can give all through the year. And this, this, this legislative year, we need some help. Well, we appreciate it. We hope that these podcasts will help get out the message. Um, we'll be pushing this out through social media. So, Starlin, thank you so much for being part of this. My pleasure, and thank you so much. Hey, we're here at APHA 2023, and it's special time for me because I'm returning with Jeff Nye, Dr. Nye. You and I met through social media, through LinkedIn first, and then we met up at the APHA 2022. Right. And it was your retiring year from the military. Yes. And um, you were a distinguished award winner, and um, it was just fun to be around. And then all of a sudden you looked at my name tag, and we realized that we're second or third cousins <laughs> from Butler, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we went to the same grade school at the yeah, same time. Exactly. And we didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> Butler Catholic. Shout out to one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> <laughs> to just be honest, hey, we're honest here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Yes, indeed. We are here celebrating pharmacy, uh, coming back together at APHA 2023, Locked on Pharmacy Podcast. And something that I really want to kind of drill down with you is getting involved. And, and pharmacists, 305,000 pharmacists out there, talk about what that means to really moving our profession forward. Sure. Um, with any profession to move forward, you need engaged members. And the way to get engaged is to, to have your voice heard. And the way to have your voice heard is to, to take an active role in your profession, to help to shape it. Because no one knows better in terms of what you want from the profession than yourself. Yep. And so make your seat at the table, get involved. And the more you get involved, the more you realize that the more you put into the profession, the more the profession can move forward. And you, you feel like you have more say in literally what's taking place from policy development, um, impact on the sector of, of pharmacy that you're in. You're right now focusing on um, on seniors and in senior care. There's specialty pharmacists out there. There's our, obviously our community and we could just go on and on. Each of those subsets need representation, need people to be able to vote on policy at the state level, at the national level. What's your advice to pharmacists right now who are feeling I want to get involved, but I don't know the first steps to take. Sure. Well, I mean, there's so many ways to get involved, whether it's through your your local pharmacy organizations, your state pharmacy organizations, through APHA. Just go to the, the website of those organizations, and there are constant informations. There's emails. I guarantee if you reach out to an organization and say, how do I get involved, they're going to snap you up like yep. in two seconds and say, yes, hey, we have all these opportunities. What do you want to do? And it's probably based on your passion as a pharmacist. There's probably, in any of those instances, a 
um, a theme that you could say, hey, I'm really into digital therapeutics. Oh, great, we, have, we need a committee to really vet out how uh, a digital inhaler is gonna affect you know, lung, a lung disease treatment or whatever. So it's, it could really be almost anything. Right, and it's, it's all about following your passions. Um, where I think is the saddest thing is, is pharmacists that sit there and complain that they don't like where the profession is going and they don't, they're not happy with what's going on, but yet they're not taking an active role to make things better. Exactly. Because you're not going to change anything on the sideline. Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Jeffrey Nye, it's great to have you here. It's great to see you again. Um, we have to get together at some point and um, just speak on a podcast about your world and what you went through and where you're going now, but it's always great seeing you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for APHA's 2023 Annual Meeting Edition of Locked On Pharmacy. APHA thanks all of our members, attendees, guests, and presenters for making the 2023 Annual Meeting a spectacular success. Make sure to visit us at podcasts.pharmacist.com, where you can find more information about today's topics and guests. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to ensure you never miss an episode. Questions about this show, tips for the podcast team, or how you can contribute to a future episode? Shoot us an email at lockedonpharmacy at aphanet.org. This has been a special edition of Locked On Pharmacy, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Views expressed by guests represent the individual guests and not APHA, unless otherwise stated.